Well, hello, fight fans. It is May. Excuse me, I'm already burping. Excuse me, May uh, 18th. Today's Thursday, I think, and we are back for another edition of the MMA Ratings Podcast. My name is Rafael Garcia, and unfortunately, I am without my tag team partner today, in Shawan Humes. He had to uh, do some dad things at a school event today. And I first off, I want to say, you know, Shawan gets on here and he talks about. MMA and he breaks down the, the fight game very well, but this the guy needs to be commended for being a father of I think three, three little girls, and dude is definitely super dad. So I want to say you know enjoy your night off. I and I usually say night off in parentheses or we're not parentheses uh quote quotation marks because I, I'm sure that the girls probably have him running around. So yeah, tonight you are dealing with just me, and I am going to be looking forward to talking about UFC 211 breaking that show show down and talking about Bellator um in their event they have coming up this weekend so yeah let's just go ahead and jump right on into it uh first i want to say thank you for listening to our show please feel free to like our content and share it across your social media channels and always be sure to um let us know what you think go to mma ratings net to tell us about the fights tell us what you think about each and every event as we give you the opportunity to provide your feedback and let the fights let the fighters know exactly what you think about each and every each and every one of the efforts whenever they step into the octagon or the hexagon so yeah let's go ahead and talk about ufc 211 first um it was a pretty damn good card, first and foremost, because if you look back at it, you know, on paper, UFC 211 did not get the same type of uh, promotion that many other events did in recent memory. But without a doubt, it was probably the most stacked and most uh, important card in 2017 to date. It gave us two two uh, title title fights, which is kind of customary um, now within the UFC, but it gave us two title fights that really had a lot of intrigue around them. On one hand, we had uh, Junior Dos Santos char- challenging against Cipe Miocic in a fight where he, you know, an individual he defeated um, not too long ago, three years ago, I believe it was, just about three years. So he defeated that individual just about three years ago. And now, you know, the, the roles were reversed as Miocic is now the heavyweight champion and Dos Santos was looking to get that boat back. Unfortunately for him, he was unable to do so. Um, he was stopped in brutal fashion. And what was probably the most interesting about that was um, the way Stipe did it. Um, and it's almost as if he was daring, um, I was watching Miocic's fight, this event, and the way he was pushing forward and attacking, um, the way he was attacking Dos Santos made it almost seem like he was he wasn't worried about him in any way shape or form um he had his hands low which is kind of customary for stipe he had his hands low and he also was kind of, he he it's weird his boxing is great but he was swinging very wild in a way that 
could have left him open to a um, a counter shot. And um, what was pretty interesting about that was the fact that Stipe, um, Stipe was taking some strong leg kicks. He didn't. He only checked one of them towards the end, but he was already eating up a lot of damage. But he kept pressing forward in such a way that, for me, I thought he was going to get caught with something something big. You know, I, I thought the opportunity was there for Dos, Dos Santos, but he was unable to capitalize. And I think you look at the the way the knockout occurred, especially with him falling face forward like that, you know, that's probably the worst way you want to fall when it comes to being knocked out because it jams the neck, like, you know, you don't catch yourself, whatever it is. What was probably the most scary thing about that is the fact that, uh, excuse me, um, what the hell is his name? Dos Santos has taken so much damage in recent memory that it you have to wonder, you know, at what point in time is enough enough for Dos Santos. If you look back to his fights, you know, he's taken so much damage over the last few years, and he's just been in so many different wars, whether it's the first fight with Miochis, the fights with Cain Velasquez, uh, the fight with Mark Hunt. I mean, he's taken some, he's taken a lot of damage. And then the way he lost his fight, this is his, let's see how many times he's been stopped three times uh, in the last two years. Excuse me. He, his last three fights, his last three losses have been by stoppage. He lost to Cain Velasquez, Asa Overeem, and then this one. And even when you look at, he's coming off of a win against Ben Rothwell, which isn't, you know, that much of a huge win for this uh, division. It's, it really says a lot about where he is at this point in his career. And I think he's really kind of falling down. He's falling down a ladder. And I, and I don't think it's time to say he's done, but um, I think it's definitely time to keep a closer eye on how he continues to perform whenever he steps into the cage. Um, and then there's Stipe. You know, Stipe looks, this is his second heavyweight title defense. One away from tying a record, which I think Brock Lesnar currently holds still. And it's kind of like, well, what are we going to do with this guy? Like, who's next for him? Do you put him up there against Kane next? So let me see. Let me look at the UFC rankings. Um, for heavyweight, we got Fabricio, who's up there. And I think he's fighting, uh, I want to say he's fighting Travis Brown coming up. Who is for Doom. Mr. Werdum is scheduled as over him. Excuse me. He's scheduled. He's fighting over him at UFC 213 in just about two months. And so you can see, you can see him getting a title shot if he wins that fight. Then you got Kane who's fighting let me see who's Kane fighting the next. Mr. Velasquez is scheduled. He's not scheduled for a fight. I thought he was. But he's coming off a win against Travis Brown. He stepped into the cage almost a year ago. You know, kind of customary. He's one fight a year. Then we got Overeem, Dos Santos, Francis Ngannou. He's a name to watch. Um, Ngannou is not scheduled for a fight coming up. I know people are trying to push for a bout with him and uh, Derek Lewis, you know, and he was actually on the MMA Hour this week talking about that. And it was interesting because hearing him talk about uh, just how, 
just how that fight has gone was, um, or how that fight would go. I, I, I hate to say it. I hate to be honest here, but I am interested, kind of interested in, in that fight just from a, you know, spectacle standpoint. You know, I've made it clear I am not the biggest fan of heavyweight mixed martial arts, but the idea of Nganu and Derek Lewis getting into the cage together, you know someone's going to get knocked the hell out, and you know it's going to come on fast. So he's sitting there at the fifth position. Then you have Derek Lewis, Mark Hunt, Andre Olofsky, and Travis Brown, and Alexander Volkov. Volkov's a, another name who's kind of slowly creeping up the ladder, but that's just the top ten. You know, out of that top ten, Stipe's already defeated one, two, three, four, five, six of those guys. Uh, let me make sure. Excuse me, five of those guys. He has not defeated Travis Brown. But Brown's so far down the ladder now, you know, he's he's out of the title picture itself. So really, you know, it's kind of like, what do you do with this division? I'm, I, I'm still surprised that people consider it the marquee division, that people look at it as if, like, this is the division where everyone has to be. Because honestly, in my opinion, I would much rather see Joanna Jacek, I'm going to talk about her in a minute. I would rather see, you know, the flyweights. I would rather see damn near any other weight class. But heavyweight and light heavyweight isn't a, is is right up there with with me. So um you know I'm just not that big of of a fan. But I digress. That does not speak ill about the performance of um that that Mielchik's put down in his bout, getting the win, getting his second title defense, and pushing closer to the record of the longest um or most or tying the record, excuse me, of most um heavyweight title defenses. So then I want to look at the co-main event where Ioana and Jessica Andrade got things going. And this is the type of fight where one fighter did everything right and the other fighter not necessarily did things wrong, but didn't have an answer. She just did not have an answer at all. She was unable to... Unable to institute any of her game. Even when Andrade was able to get a grip on Jacek and lift her off the ground, they would hit the mat and it would be there for a matter of seconds um, before Jacek would be able to scramble, get back to her feet. And she was actually... One thing I really found interesting about this fight, Luke Thomas talked about this on his show earlier in the week, is the way she was using the post hand to bring herself right back to her feet. Now, being honest with you, you know, being a wrestling coach, I am not a big fan of the the of the 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 post. I'm not at all. Um, I think it's it's a dangerous technique because you can break your arm like that. But uh, that's my my biggest thing. You know, usually when I teach, I I teach with the emphasis of driving a lot of weight down and taking your partner down or your opponent down with you. So it was interesting to see. Um, JTEC be able to avoid the takedown and stay and bounce literally right back to her feet. She did it time and time again. So she was very successful with that. And that kind of really broke into Andrade's game because she's, she's, you know, a ground and pound fighter. Well, I'm not going to say a ground and pound fighter, but that is a big part of her abilities there. So then, you know, JTEC, you saw the size difference at, um, Wands, I think it was a five-inch reach advantage, five or six. And the whole time, Jacek was just popping in her face 
over and over again, jab, blah, 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 move out the way, just wash, rinse, and repeat. And J uh, excuse me, Andrade was unable to get in close, unable to really answer any of the um of the position she was being put in. So I'm not surprised that this fight went the way it was. I'm actually more surprised that more people were counting on uh, more people were counting on Andrade and picking her to be the winner. I think that that was really um, kind of came out of left field in my opinion. But she really didn't have any major points of victory in in this fight you know going back and off to wonder if fighters go back and look at what they did and kind of evaluate from there she really doesn't have anything to evaluate here she definitely was unable to do what she needed to do to get the win and you saw that in the uh scorecards so it really it, when we think about you know uh jjcheck man it's like this woman is something special um when we sit back and think about the the sport long term you know she's riding a let's see how many times let, let's see how long her win streak is give me a second jj checks win streak is she's riding a man she's undefeated i forgot yeah so she's 14 and 0 she has and she's really done some great things in the strawweight division. I mean, look at this. Andrade, Carolina, Cordelia twice, Valerie Letourneau, Jessica Pena, Carlo Esparza, Carla Esparza, and Juliana Lima. That's a hell of a group. And then when you include that she has wins over, over, over Rosie Sexton and others too as well. I mean, this is a hell of a... Um, this is a hell of a fighter here. And I think that she definitely deserves more recognition among the pound 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 for pound rankings. Is she the best ever? Or is she is she the best in the sport right now? I'm you know, I'm still gonna vote for DJ all, all the time. We did our top five rankings here this past week, and I definitely think she deserves more attention and she deserves to be higher up the ladder. I think I put her at um three on my ranking behind DJ and behind um Connor. That's where I put her. And, and I, I, like, as I said, I still just think she's something special. And I think she kind of deserves that consideration now. Um, and she did, man, this was a hell of a fight. And, you know, you we have the, the same question. I look at the division. It's like, who do we put back in front of her? Right now, it looks like Rose Nama Eunice is next in line off of that big win over Michelle Watterson. And yeah, that was a huge win. That was an important win for her career. So it kind of puts her right right back in the um, title position or title shot area. And then we also have Tisha Torres. I think she's an interesting fight too. And I, even though she lost that fight to Rose a couple months back, I think that was last year actually, that was a close bout there. And I think people kind of, kind of count her out of, of the division. But then there's still that size advantage there. She is a good striker, but she's not at, on Joanna's level when it comes to striking. So I, I I wonder how she would do in that bout too. So she's really kind of, Joanna's done a lot of work submitting her position in this um, division. And I still think this this is one of my, one of my favorite divisions to watch, watch right now. I think the women's strawweight group, they never put on a bad fight in my opinion. I mean, people may complain about fights like that Angela Hill bout, Angela Hill and Tisha Torres fight from Mexico City a couple years ago, but that wasn't a bad fight in my opinion. It was just it it, it was what it was. 
But this division definitely interests interests me, and I'm excited for. Her. I, I think Joanna is going to get the recognition she deserves. She is a big time fighter, and she deserves. And I mean, like, she, I, I I wonder what's next for her when it comes to um, breaking through. I wrote a piece about her, I think, last week, where I think she's right on the cusp of becoming a star. She is someone who has a personality. If you don't follow her on Instagram or uh, or I don't follow her on Twitter, I follow her on Instagram, but if you don't, I mean, she's someone who definitely has a personality there. She's someone who's worth watching. She's funny. She um, makes fun of herself. She got kind of like shows an interesting side of her. So I, I think that she's someone who can be pushed in the right direction. And what's interesting about her is that I think that the UFC would have to push her in a different way as they've done with other fighters. And I hate to say it this way, it's because maybe it is because she's not the most, she's not, she doesn't fit the, she doesn't fit the physical attributes that the UFC tends to use or tends to focus on when pushing some of their female stars. I mean, if you look at Valentina, Ronda Rousey, Carolina, Michelle, um, even, Rose before she cut her hair, like so many different things that the that that the UFC kind of page um, that the UFC there's what's the word I'm looking for certain characteristics that have been seen across the board when it's when the UFC begins to really promote a fire man and woman and when it comes to the women, Joanna doesn't fit that type of mold that we've seen the UFC promote in the past, but. She is a fighter's fighter. If you look at the way fighters talk about her and the way they praise her performances, man, she's a fighter's fighter. She gets in there. She's violent. Fans love it. She's She talks hella trash. Fans love that as well. And she's looking to get you out of there. And it, what, what's weird is that, well, I take that back. What's weird is that she doesn't finish people with dangerous violence, but she definitely beats the hell out of you. And it's brutal. I mean, ask Jessica Penney how, how that fight went. Ask um, Carla how that fight went. Yeah, I mean, they just got brutalized from start to finish. And uh, I would like to see her rematch Carolina, uh, Carolina maybe sometime in, in the future. I think that that's an interesting fight there. But, um, yeah, I was, I was, I'm totally impressed with what this woman does every time she steps in, into the cage. And I, I, I am hoping that she becomes the breakthrough star that the UFC could help make her become. I think they would benefit from it, and she would as well. So I'm, I'm really excited with what's next for her career. And she's slowly becoming one of my favorite fighters to watch. So moving on down the car, I think I probably, I'm only going to I'm going to dive deep into the uh, the main card. I'm going to look at that Dustin Poirier fight. I'll probably talk a little bit about James Vick. So, Damian Maia and Jorge Masvidal. This was a close fight. And as I was sitting there watching it with the group of people I was watching it with, you know, I was saying, I thought the judges were going to give it to Jorge at, at the end. Um, I would have went, myself, I would have went with Maya, but I thought that the judges were going to give it to Jorge just because of the way Maya fights. And I think what's really helping Damien at this point in time is that more and more people are becoming aware of his greatness. Let's say if this was a fight on the main car, on the prelims, 
lower down and you saw the same same type of fight where the fighter was where the winner the guy who won was doing the same exact things basically pulling guard fighting um fighting off his back going for it for submissions etc etc what makes i honestly believe looking at at the way that he fought that fight i honestly believe that maya would not have won And I think that the judges would have went another direction. I think that Maya's uh, prominence in the sport helped him um, definitely get the nod here because people are more aware of who he is. They're more aware of what he's going to do every time he steps in, into the cage. People are more aware that, yo, this guy is going to be able to um, – this guy was going to be able to pull guard – fight for a dominant position, get control, and just do whatever he wanted to do to his opponent. Now, Jorge made it hard. Jorge definitely had his bright spots. He looked good at points in the um, fight. I mean, when they were on their feet, he was giving Maya hell. He couldn't do anything. He was struggling to, um, and I was kind of concerned about him after that second round. You know, he was taking a lot of shots, and he wasn't able to um, get the fight or he wasn't able to get the fight to the ground as quickly as he once was. So what I definitely saw that I, um, I like the way he, he started switching up. I like the way that he was, uh, switching up and, um, ba I don't want to say, I hate to use the terminology pulling guard, but, the way he, the way he takes his shot, and he—I mean, it is basically pulling guard. He sits to his back, he gets an underhook, and he is able to put you in a position where it's—it's it's, you're in danger immediately. If you notice one point where he had, it was kind of like a reverse half guard, and he was forcing Masvidal to make a choice. He either would turn away and try to escape. And if he did so, Maya was going to take his back. And he already had one uh, one arm around for the for the choke. So the minute that Maya would have turned away, he would have gotten himself choked. Or you belly down and you find yourself on your back with Damian Maya of all people on top of you. Either way, in my opinion, it's a loss. But Masvidal was able to... Um, Masvidal was able to reverse it at one point in time and get back. Um, he got on top for a second, and the round ended. Now, again, I want to talk more about what Masvidal did because he definitely did a lot where he was able to um, – where he was able to make it look like he was winning, which was perfectly fine there. He was able to um, – Negate a lot of Maya's takedowns. He was definitely sprawling very well, getting right back to his feet and going right back to striking. He, he did that perfectly. When the rounds ended, you also noticed that he was kind of like making it look like he won the round, which is important in MMA. I, I, I don't think a lot of people recognize that, but it's definitely important in, 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 in mixed martial arts as a whole. So here it is. We see this guy doing his thing. And when the third round came, I'm like, yo, this fight is very close. 
And I would not be surprised if the judges give it to um, Masvidal at the end. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty surprised with, with, with what I saw there. And now, you know, we're looking at a situation where we have Tyron Woodley as a champion. And we don't know what the organization is going to do with that. You know, he's he's basically considered the um, next man in line. I'm talking about Maya. Maya's basically considered the next man in line for a title shot. But, you know, he claims Damian Maya, uh, excuse me, he claims Dana White promising him the shot and he expects to get it. So it's like, okay, you know, that's great to hear. But I wonder if I wonder if they're going to stick to that. You know, UFC has done that so many times. They did it. Remember, they did it to Anthony Pettis. I'm going back in time, but they did it to Anthony Pettis once when he was first coming um, into the uh, in, in, into the UFC. They've done it to Damian Maya before in the past. So now we're looking at a situation where it's like, well, maybe he doesn't get the shot as easy as everyone thought that he would. Now, from a from a technique standpoint, you know, I would be interested in seeing how this how this fight goes because Damian Mons very uh, his ability to get to to get to an opponent and be able to take them down early in the fight really is really amazing to me. I wonder if he would pull guard against someone like Woodley because that would be that would be very dangerous for him if he, if 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 he did uh, if he attempted that. Um. Because I would be concerned about him having uh, Tyron on top because Tyron's ability to hold you down and just I, wrestle you and, and wrestle, wrestle hump you, for lack of a better term, but to help you understand what I'm talking about, is very is, is very good. He's able to control you there and do damage there um, as he sees fit. But, you know, again, Maya's a world-class grappler. No one wants to play with him on, on the ground. So... We'll just have to see what happens there. I'm, I'm interested in that fight. I'm interested in seeing what what really happens going forward. And I does. I hope that he. Um, I hope that he does get a uh, title shot because I mean, from a sports standpoint, I think Maya is kind of like Maya is the embodiment of what MMA or martial arts as a whole is supposed to mean. Um, I, we often hear these stories about bad martial arts instructors and, and gyms not being in the places that they present themselves to be. In my opinion, Maya is someone who embodies all of, embodies a lot of the positive aspects of the sport. He's someone that, um, and I think, and I, and I would be happy with seeing him getting getting that finally getting that title shot, which I think has um which has eluded him. So let's look at the next fight I want to talk about is uh Frankie Edgar versus Yair Rodriguez. Now, this fight was supposed to be a crowning of the crowning of the next young contender. Many people are looking at Yair and thinking that he's gonna be something great, and I think he is. Um, he's something that he's someone that um 
he looks great in, in, in his fights. He's looked very well in a lot of his fights up to this point. But what happened against Frankie Edgar was a a it was a testament to Edgar, and B it was a showing of Yair's weaknesses when it comes to wrestling. I think it's a it's 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 a showing of what happens when you push someone too fast. Because now we have a situation where I don't want to say I, I actually wrote a piece about this earlier this week is on MMARatings.net where I don't think this loss completely crippled Yair's growth, but he has to take a step back now. Um, the way he responds to this is really important. I compared it to the way G GSP responded to his first loss to Matthews. And listen, I'm not talking about I'm not comparing Yair to GSP. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm comparing the way he lost and that the hype that was around him. Um, the way he responds to this fight is very extremely important. And, I, and what I mean by that is that he has to he has to bounce back in a way that shows that he has growth in, in, in the sport. Like, if he comes out there and he loses another fight the same way, you know, he's in a division and he's in a group. 35, 45, and 55 is a murderer's row when it comes to wrestlers. And granted, everyone's not the same type of MMA wrestler that Frankie Edgar is. He, they're, they're, they're not. But there are guys in that, in that division that can, that can take him down. I mean, there are guys, Nick Lentz, Darren Elkins, Chad Mendes, like the list goes on. There are guys in that group that can take him down. And Edgar kind of created a blueprint on, on how to defeat Yair. And all these guys now, I, I would be not be shocked if we start to see wrestlers start to call out Yair because they know that the UFC is hitching their wagon to him. And getting a win over him. would boost their resume. So now we're like, well, when you look at Yair, it's like, well, what are they going to do with them next? Um, what are they going to do with them next? And I, and I think, you know, I, I think that they're going to go back to the drawing board and just kind of take it slow with him. I hope that they do at least. Because I think that he's someone that has a lot of talent. He's someone that is um, definitely very good in the game. But I mean, man, I just don't want to see him. I just don't want to see him slump. I don't don't want to see him put in a position where he's just not getting the opportunity to grow like he should. And this loss to Frankie Edgar is definitely something that should be looked at that way. Should be looked at. Okay, well, we need to give him the proper opportunity to grow. And I hope that that comes in the um, near future. So as always, you know, one part of the, um, of the MMA ratings podcast, you definitely want to look at shows that are coming up. And this weekend we have an interesting Bellator card. You know, we don't to say that too, 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 too often. UFC is off this week and they will be back next week with UFC fight night 109 with, um, Alexander Gustafsson taking on Glover Teixeira, but Bellator has given us a very interesting card as Rory McDonald makes his Bellator debut, and he faces off against Paul Daly. Now, 
from a on paper, I have no problem with everyone being ready and willing to pick uh, Roy McDonald. Daly has he's always struggled against technical fighters. Um, I don't know how he's going to be able to deal with uh, McDonald's. Well, how he's going to deal with McDonald's range, his technicality, his ability to just stay behind his jab and, and use his length. I, I don't. I can't pull up a. Um, I can't pull up a comparison right now, but I know McDonald's going to be the bigger man. He's going to have more range, and he's going to have the ability to hit and just kind of move, hit and move, hit and move, hit and move. So I'm not surprised that so many people are picking McDonald to win. But man, Daly, Daly has some pop. He has crazy, crazy pop. I mean, let's look at his career. He has 32 wins, 39 wins, 29 have come by KO. I mean, 29. And he has so many ways to stop you. Flying knees, punches, punches to the body, ground and pound, doctor stop. Like he demolishes people. And what makes it so scary is that, like, you know, Roy McDonald's taking a lot of damage. Um, if you look at the way at the damage he took at the hands of Robbie Lawler, at the hands of uh Steven Thompson, I mean this is both within the last year uh two years. Yep, it's been about a year before like seriously, he's fought one time in 2015, one time in 2016, and both of those were losses where he took a lot of damage. And when, in MMA, man, you gotta you gotta have the question. You gotta start asking the question: When are guys going to begin having a punch count issue? And with McDonald, I mean, it even goes back further than that. Like if you look at his first loss against Roy McDonald, he took a lot of damage then too. And he's been doing this since. 2015. So he's 12 years in the game at only 27 years old. Think about that. 12 years of fighting at only 27 years old, and he's taken an extreme amount of damage. So if Daly gets to your chin, best believe he can knock you the hell out. And and that's why I think he definitely has a puncher's um, chance in in this bout. I'm I'm really I'm getting more and more concerned about fighters' health and the way that they look uh, for the long term of, of their career. And this is one of the guys, and this is going to be an important fight for for McDonald. Um, let's see what he looks like when he comes in, into the card, and let's see what he he looks like long term after after this event. Because man, like he. Um, he can find himself put in a bad position if he if he takes a lot of damage. I, I think he's a he's a he, for the for Bellator. He's a name. Like he's their biggest name. I think he's their biggest name since the um, since they began going after uh, after free agents. And to see him falter, it would definitely be scary at this point in time. I mean, we just saw Josh Thompson lose. We just saw um, Benson Henderson struggle. So they can't afford to have another guy drop about a drop about at this point in time. I think, especially, I wonder, you know, how much he's going to get paid 
what his position like if he wins a fight with him and Douglas Lima is immediately interesting to me. Hell, I want to see uh Roy uh not Roy McDonald, excuse me. I want to see what Paul Daly does against him the second time. I think it'll still go the same because Daly has a lot a lot of technicalities that uh Excuse me, Lima has a lot of technicalities that, that Daly can't get by. But still, um, we'll have to see what happens in the uh, in, in, in this bout on Saturday. Because I think that that that, that there's a lot lot to be said with how this fight goes down and if it goes down in Daly's favor. So what else do I want to talk about from this week? I think I have a couple pieces of news. You know, obviously, there's the story about Dana White and Roy McDonald getting into it. And, man, I think this is going to be a crazy uh, story to watch over the next few weeks because everyone keeps talking about, you know, are we at a point where MMA fighters – are going to begin fighting back, and I hate the, that I had to use that pun. And, I, and we're already there. We're already at that point. Of athletes, I've always preached that you know it's it's these guys finally need to take themselves as professional athletes, and I think that that is beginning to occur as more and more guys are willing are stepping up their game, being more vocal, being more pushy in everything that they say. And people may try to point back to Conor McGregor and say that this is all about Conor, that he started this. And he honestly didn't. I mean, athletes have always spoken up about their rights. That's always occurred. Look look across sports, basketball, football, baseball, all of those, all of those major sports have had their moments. And I think we're getting to the point where MMA is about to have its. Um, because I don't think these guys are taking it anymore. Like, and they're being more verbose. Like Luke Rocco really came after Dana White, and Dana White tried to fight back, tried to shoot back. But in reality, I mean, he doesn't have as much ammunition as you would think. And and the thing that makes it so, the thing that makes it so interesting right now is remember Dana White from pre-sale Dana White before before the sale went into place. He wouldn't have um he wouldn't have been so willing to just kind of take what uh Maya said and take not excuse me not Maya excuse me what Rocco said and take it laying down for lack of a better term instead he's um instead he responded but it wasn't like a it wasn't like a big time threatening response it wasn't like anything that was kind of like out there um and now we're looking at, at a situation where Because now we're looking at at a, at a situation where we still like we really don't know what's going to happen within the middleweight division. Yeah, there's talks of the fight with um, Uel Romero, excuse me, Michael Bisping and GSP. Uel Romero was sitting out there, but this, the the division is being held up, and guys are being more and more vocal, more and more um, 
verbose about their their struggles, and the UFC is going to have to deal with that. And this is going on across the board. People are people are frustrated with with what they're getting paid, and frustrated with how they're being treated, and like they're not they aren't given the opportunity to have the power within their sport as if, as they see in other athletes. Yes, MMA is always going to be different, and it's not at that mainstream status yet. But guys are taking the steps to put themselves in a position to make more money. They want to be in that position. And, and, I, and this is going to continue. We're at that point now where guys are, are, are going to be, guys and girls, excuse me, are going to say what they want to say. They're going to be vocal and the UFC is going to have to deal with that. And they can't respond the way that they did back in the day. Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what the organization does with Rocco going forward and how they treat him coming out of this fight. I don't think he has a fight scheduled, uh, I don't think he has a fight scheduled, but it'll be interesting to see how he's um, booked in his next match. You know, I and you know me. I'm every time I come on this show, I'm always going to talk about uh, professional grappling in some way, shape, or form. And this weekend, past weekend, we had um, we had a. Pretty damn good fight in um, Jake Shields and Dylan Dennis. And, you know, Dylan Dennis is the guy who just, he trains with Conor McGregor. He's Conor McGregor's training partner, big time black belt. And he, um, you know, he was involved in that bottle throwing incident out before UFC 202. He um, just, uh, he's very, he's very confident, for lack of a better term. And, you know, it is, confidence is a great thing, but he's very, he's over the top with it. And he's just kind of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Well, he stepped into Submission Underground 4, facing off against former Strike Force champion, former um, former Strike Force champion, former UFC title contender Jake Shields, and he lost uh, in overtime. And I don't think this isn't going to hinder his MMA career at all, um, in my opinion. But it's a big moment for Jake Shields. Like I, I, Jake Shields is one of my favorite grapplers, just because for the way he mixes in his wrestling and his grappling. Uh, people kind of forget about that. People who don't have the knowledge of, of Jake Shields would think that, that I actually posted. You know, I didn't think that this was an upset at all. Especially when you take into account the rule set. If this was a submission only, no time limit about, then maybe I would look at Dennis and expect him to win. But with these this rule set, I'm not surprised that Shields was able to get the job done. And um now, you know, Polaris five is scheduled and we have Jay Shields on that card. He's facing another tough, strong, aggressive grappler in Daniel Strauss. And we also have um Dylan Dennis is fighting against Gary Tunin. On that same card, this card is set for August, like August 9th, August nineteenth, something like something like that. And yeah, it's going to be a hell of an event. And, you know, speaking of Gary Tuna, he's facing another another MMA champion, another MMA. I'm not going to I'm not going to say legend, another MMA name who's been around for a long time in Shinya Aoki. He's fighting him next weekend at one um, a special grappling event for One FC. I'm picking Gary to win just because he'll be the bigger man, and he is, you know, he is a full-time grappler. Aoki's dangerous. Um, he's very dangerous. If you remember that fight he had against Crone Gracie back in Metamorphs, you know, he had he's willing to, to, to put his grappling out there against some of the best. 
But um, I think that he is facing a bigger, more aggressive Tonin. We've seen Tonin deal with dangerous grapplers like Wusmar Proharis, Gilbert Burns, um, and others in the past. So I wouldn't be so surprised if he was able to get the get the job done here. And he's who I'm picking for next weekend's event. Let's see what else I want to talk about from this week. Be sure to – I'm actually working on a post right now um, because Sage Northcutt's sister is actually stepping into the mixed martial arts world as her name is Kobe. Kobe Northcutt, the older sister of Sage Northcutt, is making her MMA debut at Legacy FC on June 23rd. And it's um it's 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 crazy. Like man, she's 24 years old. Sage, I don't even remember how old Sage is, but you know she is. She's fighting at uh 135. She's fought five times as at an amateur level, and she's won four. She lost one via a, a split decision. I bet you the UFC is watching this fight very 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 closely. Because she has that name and she has that look, so you know we're just gonna have to uh, we'll have to see what happens. I'm gonna be keeping a close eye on it, just because it's it's something to talk about within in the sport, and it's going to become a a news story. I guarantee you, someone at some point in time talked about this this weekend. So um, this week, as we looked at mixed martial arts news, and let's see what else do I have to talk about. I'm by myself today, so I'm actually getting to talk about everything I want to talk about. So. You know, I love Schwann. Beat the Streets actually was last night. And all of you wrestling fans should make some time to go over to Flow Wrestling and check this event out. It was, um, you know, every year USA Wrestling holds this event in Times Square. It was outside. Uh, some of the best grapplers from the world. Kyle Snyder grappled. Helen um, Helen Marlowitz, um she grappled. So she competed. Kyle Snyder was there. I Team USA versus Team Japan, and it was some great fights. So be sure to go over to Flow Grappling or Flow Wrestling. You probably think of Flow Grappling as well, and check out the event because I think it was some great wrestling, uh, and I'm always a, a fan of of promoting that. So as always, you know, my name is Rafael Garcia. I appreciate you for listening to me. Um, kind of a, an abridged show, which is never a bad thing. But check us out on um, MMA Ratings Net. You can follow us on MMARatings.net. Catch us on um, Instagram and Twitter at, at the same space. You can follow myself at rgarcia underscore sports on Twitter at the bad guy 1906 on Instagram. And you can follow Swan at the Black Jordan Breen on Twitter. We are here. You know, we're always talking about the sports games. We're always um, talking about fighting. And definitely be sure to like and share this show and the rest of our content. And as always, you know, we appreciate you and we look forward to being back next week to talk more on the MMA Ratings Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening to me and have a fantastic night.